Hi everyone! A quick note for this week's episode. This episode contains spoilers for Cinnamon Switch's Mice Tea game, including late narrative developments and twists, so please keep that in mind as you listen to this episode. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TF Tuesday podcast. My name is Zill. It's great to have you all back today for a very, very special episode. I'm very excited for the conversation that we're going to be having today with the development team behind Mice Tea. Um, and before we get to that, just a quick note, as always, um, that if you like the content that we produce, you can always support us on Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash tftuesdaypod. Um, and you can not only get a chance to have your name in the credits, but also vote on some of the topics that we talk about on a weekly basis. We have a poll once a month and you get to suggest options and then you get to hear myself or Calibra or whoever else that is guesting get to talk about said topic. So if that is of interest to you, please feel free to check out our Patreon. But enough about that. I am going to turn the floor over shortly to the development team for Mice Tea to talk a little bit about the visual novel and themselves and the work that they've put into it. So uh, take it away. Uh, okay, intros. Uh, I'm Gunzel. Uh, I'm the developer of Mice Tea. I do all the coding. I did a lot of the initial outlining slash story work. So I'm KD, uh, KDynamo, uh, KD for short, that's fine. Um, I am the, they call me the lead artist, but I'm just the first artist on the project. Uh, but really I did help, uh, create a lot of the character designs, um, as well as creating all the sprites for the characters, uh, a couple of the CGs, uh, but mostly just, uh, making sure all the characters look as cute as possible in all the different outfits that we picked them out in. Yeah. Go, Mira. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Mira, the Transfer Mistress. I uh, am a CG artist and a sprite artist on, uh, or sprite sketcher on uh, Mice Tea. And I'm Zoe. I am the producer and lead writer. Um, I'd love to hear, uh, I guess, as a kind of an overall description, how would you describe collectively Mice Tea for uh, the average person who maybe hasn't heard of it before? Uh, Four distinct furry transformation stories duct taped together by a lovable protagonist named Margaret, <laughs> who's very bisexual and yeah. yes, Wait, very fortunately Brazilian. Brazilian. I will say, I, I will just say off the bat, the Brazilian connection got to me all, um, and uh, I very much appreciated its inclusion. So, um, but yeah, I was curious to kind of hear a little bit more around the creation of the visual novel itself, and to kind of I guess start at the beginning because. Uh, it's a very distinct idea. There's a very clear premise and a clear story. And I was curious to know a little bit more, you know, what sparked the idea that came to be Mice Tea and if there was a specific trigger, ha, huh, that got the ball rolling. Man, okay. I guess this is my court as the project inceptor. Uh, let me see here. I'm trying to figure out how far back is relevant. As far back I as guess you we think. can. Huh? <laughs> oh, uh, Okay, I, I can go pretty. So I, in like 2017, I think I, 
played a visual novel called Student Transfer, and it was like I was looking for like a porn game that that I don't know was nice. And there's like a moment in it where I realized these characters were written by like human beings with like a sense of humor, and it like actually was funny and like kind of. And there were like some heartfelt moments. There's a lot of not good stuff in there, to be clear, but there were some heartfelt parts. And I'm like, huh, that would be nice. What if I made porn that, like, didn't make me feel bad? Like, what if I made porn that, like, made me feel good and, like, was just kind of a nice and comfy experience? Um, and I think at the time I was living with uh, Heart Gear, who is our background artist. And I was like, and at the time we already wanted to make video games together. Um, like, I've wanted to make video games uh, like most of my life. I just, I don't know, I was bit by the bug. Um, but I also have a day job, so making video games is a lot of work, right? So I'm like, what's the easiest video game? Well, I like, it would be nice to make a visual novel, and it would be nice to make something with, like, um, imp- what's the word? Like, intrinsic motivation, the intrinsic motivation of, haha, I'm making a thing that makes me horny, haha. I, 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 it's a hobby that also I get a little extra out of. So I was like, we should make a porn game together, or like some kind of like gender bender thing together uh, with Heart Gear. And she's like, yeah. And we tried a couple different things and it like didn't quite work. Like she also had all of her, like we both had like, we're both going in different directions. And also we had no idea how to run a project like collectively. Um, so at a certain point I'm like, all right, this isn't working. Like maybe I'll try something else. Um, and I think around that time, KD invited me to uh, what that convention was, uh, was it? Midwest Fur Fest. Invited me to Midwest Fur Fest. He's like, you want to go to a furry convention with me? I'm like, I think better to do on a Saturday. Sure, dude, let's go. Um, and uh, and for uh, background, Katie and I were college friends. We met in college. We have been friends ever since. We live in the yep. same city. Um, and I think we went there and we met the Changeling Tail developers. Um, and we yep. just like hung out in a room and like drew for a while. Like we like everybody just like drew pictures and we're just chilling, hanging out. They're talking about the visual novel they were making. And at the time, like I'm still like my gears are spinning. I'm like, I want to make a video game. I want to make like some kind of visual novel. I want to make something small. And I think like on the drive home, I'm like, Katie, let's make a visual novel. Um, and I'm I'm like and I'm like for, I think that was the first time I engaged and went. Oh, you do a lot of TF stuff. I'm like in the like TG space, but like I could do TF stuff probably. Like I could do furry stuff. Yeah. Like I'm normally in the gender stuff. So um I think we got back. We had a Google Doc where we just wrote out a bunch of ideas. Um and I think one of the first ones was like, uh, let's have this bookish woman and she's drinking some tea and the tea turns her into like, I don't know, what's a good animal? Like a mouse? Yeah, okay. My, mice tea. Oh, holy shit. That's a good name. Uh, let's make this in one month. Um, and it will be a, it'll be a glorified single sequence, um, like a single CG with narration of this woman TGing over time. And then it's over. Um, and maybe a couple <laughs> of friends. Yeah. Yeah. So I put something together and Katie threw some sprites together and it took a couple months. Uh, and it was complete shit. It was so bad. Oh my God. <laughs> it, I am. I am so embarrassed at my prior writing. Uh, I, if I can say like the, 
the art was like I I felt like so this is the this was the first time I had drawn like a lot of humans in a mm. while and I was just like oh man how do I draw people yeah. now how do I draw like, guys I'm, especially I'm too good at drawing like cat girls and funny people and uh, yeah how do I draw guys like holy shit <laughs> Felix is a dude I need to I need to do something about that yeah. like he can't just look like a girl Kenny no uh, wink little do we know um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it was the the original uh, thing that we put together was very much an like accelerated uh, version of like okay, this woman uh, who apparently does not have any mirrors or yeah, that was important so she wouldn't not, notice that she was turning into a mouse. No mirrors. Yeah, she never she has to never notice over the weekend that she's turning into a mm. mouse so that she can go back the next workday and her uh, her her coworker can be like, Oh man, you look like a mouse. And then she's like, Oh man, I didn't know that. Also, I'm really horny now. And he's like, okay, well let's do sexy stuff. <laughs> it's like an, it's like an old CG where like he like touches her ears and she's like, Oh yeah, touch my ears, please. And he's like, are you getting off to this? And she's like, I guess. And then just kind of ends. And then, and then we were going to was... turn him into a cat girl. Um, but yeah, we got feedback from, the Changeling Tale folks, and they told us the hard truths we needed to hear, and also told, and like, I think part of that was like, okay, well, I'm not spending enough time with these characters to get attached to them. Also, like, cast super small, like, maybe add a couple other things, and like, they're just kind of like seeding new ideas, and I'm like, okay, let's add a third character named Julia, and she's Margaret's college friend, and I think... Katie's like she'll turn to a red panda and like have and she's like a redhead like her original version was like a red it was a she was going to be a fennec fox at first yeah oh that's right she's going to turn to a fennec fox there's a lot of cute old concept art of like proto mice tea or stuff like that um but and then I think there's a second one and I had Margaret go to a laundromat because they're like I think one of the commenters like you just have her sit in your house and she doesn't go out and do anything and have to hide her transformation I'm like damn it you're right. Yeah, and stuff having like that. to deal with the stress of transforming in a public spot—that's yeah. that's what's really good. But yeah, there's like another draft like that. <laughs> um, and I think after that, we were just like, okay, scrap this. We're starting over. Um, and I think around that, and I think we like, oh, then we found Narrowpon, right? Like yep. Narrowpon appeared, and he's like, I want to so do. Nero- yeah, you go ahead on Nerapon. Okay, so Nerapon is uh, a dear friend that unfortunately we don't get to talk to a lot of these days. Um, but he is he is a native Brazilian. Uh, he uh, is a very gregarious and funny guy. Um, and he was like, KD, I want to help with Mice Tea if I can because I really like the idea and I think your characters are really cute. I said, all right, well, what if we make you the guy to help sketch out some of the CGs and the character interactions. He's like, all right. So I was like, okay, uh, draw here. Here's the cast that we have so far. Go ahead and draw them and see if like they feel right to you. And he drew them and they were super fucking cute. And uh, a lot of the look of the game is thanks to how Naropon drew certain characters such as Margaret, uh, and Sylvia and Felix. So uh, he he was a major uh, contributor to the beginning of the game in terms of art style. Um, unfortunately, uh, as time went on, uh, he had certain 
obligations in his own life that uh, didn't let him to continue working on the project, but he is he will forever be, uh, you know, remembered as a core, like a key part of the team. And also, we, yeah, we, we weren't able to keep him on as a member of the full team, but we did bring him back for like a, a guest CG that was added late in development. Uh, uh, you might remember the, for people who played the game, the kind of alternate uh, Julianne that comes towards the end. Uh, we brought him back to do that one, and it was uh, a particularly cute uh, example of his talents. Very nice. Very yes. nice. <laughs> yeah. But at that point, it was like, Mid 2018, I think we're still trying to figure out what the plot is and like what the paths are going to be and have some Google Docs trying to bang that out. Um, and I think around that point, like, I don't remember how Zoe joined the project. I just know at some point Zoe appeared and was a part of the project now. Well, we were um, we were in a uh, server where uh, like we were in a mutual server with her and we knew that she was a writer. And I think... Zoe wanted to help. I, I don't want to speak Yeah, for I, Zoe, I don't so. recall if you had been talking to each other like, oh, this Zoe person's a decent TF writer. Let's let's talk to her. Or if I just like volunteered myself as like, hey, let me work for you. And just, you know, yeah. force myself onto the team that way. But yeah, it was uh, early 2018 when that happened. Mm-hmm. And thank God you did. <laughs> yeah. I actually am curious now. Were you talking about it or did I just kind of just show up and say like, hey, I'll work for you. And, and you said, sure, why not? I honestly do not... I honestly do not remember. I think we like so like I met Zoe through like her being a mod on every uh, TF Discord, but I think more I think the the first like close interaction we had was like we both were like translating like Japanese comics on some Discord somewhere, um, and we're kind of interacting more closely there. But I think then yeah we hung out on like our our friend Brit her server was uh, Brittany TF. There we go. Um, oh yeah, and I think we were just talking about. We must have been talking about the game at various points, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's a thing where it just made sense. We were writing a visual novel and Zoe's doing writing. I might have at least asked for advice or something. Either way, Zoe joined the team, and then we got uh, an actual like full full dedicated writer. Mm-hmm. And as, as long as we're on the subject of people joining the team, it's very funny how Mira joined the team. <laughs> and I think when this podcast comes out, it will be... What it'll be like less than one day less than a year exactly to when she mm-hmm. joined the team. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I... what happened was, yeah, uh, um, she has a uh, monthly kind of request streams on 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 Picarto, the kind of like you know art streaming platform. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, everyone on the team, you know, enjoyed her stuff, and we would all go on there and try and you know enter the raffle and try and get a spot. And we entered, and I had no idea what to get from her and like i was just scrambling around trying to find something for mira to draw it's like ah crap i'll have her draw uh gavin from uh from the game and so i threw it up there i threw up all the refs and it's uh and i gave it to you and did i like give you a link to the game afterwards or did you like independently look it up or something uh i'm I think I, what happened was I asked, like, hey, I, I really love the design of this character. This character's so cute. What, what, uh, where are they from? And then uh, you probably gave me the link to it. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll check that out. And then, like, uh, definitely, definitely not later that night, but later that week, 
I, I fucking needed something to like, I, I needed to relax and play something. And I was like, oh, I'll check out that cute uh, Mice Tea game. And I sat down, I downloaded it on my phone and I started playing it and I absolutely fell in love. I fell head over heels for this game. I played like, I actually went away that weekend and I spent the whole weekend getting caught up with the other routes and everything. The first route I played, uh, I, mm-hmm. I just, oh, it was it was so good. And, and uh, so I, I was like, this game is unfinished. I'm a, I'm a TF artist now of uh, de- decent repute, uh, not, not, not to brag, but I'm, I'm very proud of what I do and people have acknowledged me. Yeah. So as you should uh, be. I, I was like, I wonder if there's some way I could also bully my way onto the team of this game. <laughs> well, there is a stuff that you're forgetting and I don't know if this is embarrassing to bring up, but we were just talking about it because you, you mentioned how much you like the game. Oh right! Oh god! I made a. I I wanted to make a fan game. I wanted to make a a mice tea, uh, unofficial sequel, uh, that takes place in the world after one of the endings. Oh god! You told yes. Oh so that's gosh. how we started talking. Me and Zoe. Which ending was it? I gotta ask. Which ending? It was, was it? Felicia. It was the Felicia ending. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I, I yep. wanted to make a whole game that's just that, but with a new set of characters. It was. It was like a TF diner, like a '50s style, like uh, like mm-hmm. girls on roller skates kind of diner kind of setting. Uh, you are what some... you eat. I believe I called it. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I uh, God, I. <laughs> It's embarrassing now, but... <laughs> okay, if it makes you feel any better, it, when I had finished that path, um, my first thought was, I wonder if they'd ever do a Brazzles spinoff. So um, I feel you there, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so independent of Mira thinking, can I bully my way onto this team? We on the team were... We had commissioned her to draw a comic of uh, Gavin drinking the tea no, no that, that was, was the commissions that's actually what i was going to get to katie uh oh okay i i, I opened commissions uh and uh they i i was scrolling through seeing all the names that were in my commissions and i stopped dead when i saw cinnamon switch and uh whatever your gmail is i i forget if, i forget if it was sin switch or if it was mice tea at gmail i i forget mm. but it was I, I froze and I was like, oh my fucking God. And immediately that went to the top of the commission list. I, I threw it right at the top and I was like, <laughs> okay, I am going to absolutely knock this commission out of the park and hope that me showing off will get them to to, to hire me to be a part of the game. And my, my evil master plan actually worked. <laughs> Yeah, so after that commission, uh, we were, first of all, we were just blown away at how fast your turnaround speed was. Thank you. That and how well you stuck to, like, like everyone's, like, character model. Like, oh, man, everyone's, like, super on model in this. Except for yeah. the boobs. Yeah, we were like, wow, <laughs> Mira really knows how to draw our characters. And she's she's got, like, a really good intuitive understanding of all that. And we were just like, what if we asked Mira to come on? Because I was, at, at the time... Uh, it was myself and another team member, which we haven't really talked about yet, but I'm sure we'll get to, um, 
who are doing who are responsible for all the CGs in the game. And I am also uh, a person with a day job. So uh, having uh, all of those CGs under my uh, responsibility was uh, it was daunting to say the least. It was uh, um, an amount of work we probably would have never finished. In fact, yeah, it was like we kept thinking of CG ideas and like sketching those ends. And I don't remember when we brought in UBF, but we were like, okay, we at least need someone dedicated to sex scenes. That was but, fairly early. I think that was like 2019, yeah. like about not too long after Nero, Nero yeah, Pan I think it was, it was probably like Nero Pan left. And then we were like, okay, we need to fill that gap. We need another like Southern Hemisphere artist to do the sexy scenes. She's from Australia. Amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we were just like, okay, we need to bring Mira in to pick up some of the stuff that I can't possibly get to in time. And it is no it is no exaggeration to say that she is the reason why Mice T is coming out this like before, you know, 2030. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And also the reason why the the game is not totally lopsided because we did one route first and then realized, oh crap, we cannot keep up this like level of content per route um, until we brought Mira on and said, okay, now everyone can have the same amount of CGs per route and everything's nice and balanced. Nice, nice. That's fantastic. I I think you actually took out a few of the questions I was going to ask, which is great. We, we've covered a lot already. Um, I guess I was curious then. So, I mean, you've touched on why you wanted to do a visual novel rather than simply writing a story because the genesis came from video games of course and not just like writing a story um but you know when you when it comes to like writing and boarding for a visual novel broadly like what challenges did you encounter that were specifically unique to visual novel creation i think one of the things that visual novels do is it kind of it does encourage you very much so to be efficient uh with your planning and writing and so on. Like every time we think of like, you know, a scene to add or something, it's like, wait, do we need a new background for this? Do we, okay. Do we really need this scene? Um, I think our patrons have allowed us to be a little bit less kind of conservative than we might otherwise be. Um, We have a lot of NPC sprites in the game for a, uh, for a visual novel. And part of that is because we, um, allow our patrons to buy cameos and that really allows us to kind of feel that we're being responsible okay like we're making enough money to justify these all these npc sprites um but even in that case uh we do really need to plan out okay like how many times can we use the sprites uh how many times can we use this expression this background and so on uh it it leads us to do stuff like draw Margaret holding a box and then think, okay, how many different contexts in which can Margaret hold a box? Okay, we'll put cats in it this time. Now they have another reason to use this box expression again. Yeah. Yeah, starting out, it was a lot of just keep adding things to the pile with not a lot of regard for uh, efficiency. And then the back half was like, oh God, here's this long tail of like commitments to assets we've made. How can we either uh well reuse them or how do we just kind of stomach through them like the the scope and budget of this game you can tell it's a passion project that's patreon funded because like a business would not make a project this way Uh, (laughs) it was very much a month to month let's just kind of add stuff and have fun sort of thing 
rather than like we have a budget and a set number of dollars. We're no, that's use. really funny you mentioned that because I was curious as to how, you know, the Patreon fed into the visual novel. Like it's been running for over four years and obviously it's played a significant part into the development strategy. So I was curious, like, did it did it end up posing any sort of challenges for you? Like when it came to solicited input from patrons, be it through buying cameos or any sort of poll results or anything like that, did that challenge the development in any way or did it really truly feed in in a kind of a very harmonious way? I think that's a good Zoe question as our community person. Uh, hmm. Well, I, I think our patrons have been very patient with us. Uh, every time I kind of go back into the archives of like posts that we did or builds and stuff, I look at some of the old assets that we used to have in the game and mm -hmm. i think like wow people really didn't enjoy this game where we had just ms paint backgrounds of everything and uh sprites where it was like a normal sprite of them with an ms paint triangle on top of them with the words made outfit printed <laughs> on top of them so it's amazing i i should be very thankful to the the patience of our patrons um uh Challenge-wise, though, um, I think there definitely was perhaps a self-imposed uh, idea that, like, you know, that we really have to churn out content. Like, month to month, it needs to be, like, we can't take a month off and, you know, have a light month of uh, development. I, I think we kind of had a self-imposed idea that, you know, okay, we have to have a whole new day in each route every month going forward. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really motivational. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found that cadence really important personally as well. Like, I think that was part of what made the project succeed was like um, giving ourselves this like time box of like within month, one month, we will make one day's worth of content, which is I don't know what that translates to to in script, but it, it was approximately similar amount in script per day. Uh, right. And then we were like, uh, placeholder CG, placeholder CG, placeholder CG. Oh my God, we are racking up so much like asset debt. I sure hope, uh, I don't know, someone uh, specifically named Mira will just appear and take care of this later <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Um, and it, I feel it was also kind of motivating to have, uh, we had for a long time people vote on what route that we worked on next or what uh, art assets we did. So it's, both kind of let us know um, what sort of art assets people were most looking forward to, because uh, I know that, like, you know, some some games or visual novels, they try and, like, have everything, all the content set before they release it. And we were, like like Gunzel said, like, releasing lots of new story with lots of unfinished art. Um, and so it was nice to know what patrons wanted us, were most looking forward to in terms of art. Uh, that kind of helped us kind of cut a few actually art pieces that didn't end up in the game. And actually one thing that was, I think, very motivating was we had, um, uh, like I said, all the different routes and you could vote on which route was worked on for the next um, month. And I I think when we had all the, the lineup, we're like, oh man, everyone's going to want, every single month Sylvia's going to win because she's like the hot valley girl and people are going to want to see her every month. But then it turned out that like people were invested in all the different storylines and all the different characters like would win, would win at different times. People just really wanted to see all the different storylines and not just like focus on one all the time. So it was, it was encouraging to see that there was interest in all the routes, not just like the ones that we might've thought uh, the general public would be into. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Honestly, the fact that 
all of the different patrons were having different characters win each month, like you said, I think speaks to the depth of the writing for the characters. Um, and I guess one thing that I imagine was probably not necessarily complicated by the Patreon, but like pr potentially fed into that as well was how you went about actually coding the actual software. Cause that's something that, you know, has always been particularly fascinating to me. And I will be honest in that despite my own background with coding stuff, I don't actually know what architecture the visual novels built on. And so I was curious just to ask like how that came about and like, was it coded from scratch or was there something that you built upon? Uh, we'll leave Gunzel to that. Yeah, okay. Um, so my first, so my first couple of attempts at a narrative-driven game were in Unity. Um, I think a, a, a combination of like Unity and Yarn, um, and I and that was more like, uh, oh, here's a little isometric game where you walk around and talk to people. Or um, I think I did a prototype with Heart Gear. Uh, of a very early idea of a, like a visual novel for her comic, The Collector. Oh wait, which is now a visual novel. Um, actually, it's funny because we were working. I was working on that Unity with Heart, and then um, I'm like, "Man, this is a lot of work." And she's like, "What if we just use RenP?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we should probably just use RenP." Um, like she's ready to drop a list of pros and cons. I'm like, "Nah, this is too much work." So RenP is like. Uh, the de facto standard for making a visual novel. It is uh, an engine that's dedicated to just making a visual novel and it's super easy to use, um, or at least for like to get started with. So that's what most people use. Um, so the uh, Mice-T is built with Ren-P with a whole bunch of custom uh, character display code. Um, to make it work the way it does. Um, when we were working on the game, um, there's uh, there was a very early feature, I think called like layered images that was not quite out yet. Um, and I guess to give a bit of a background on the internals of the game, uh, when you look at like at one of the very first scenes is like you have Margaret and she drinks tea and then like, oh, she now has mouse ears. Oh, she has a tail. Oh, her um, she's got like facial features and um, traditionally with a lot of these games, you'd like, those would all be like distinct images. And what we do is we have like this paper doll system. So it's like, we have this base that's like Margaret and her sweater, uh, with, with zero arms and no face. And then we like overlay, like, here's her current eyes. Here's like her ears, here's her tail and all that stuff. Um, and we basically have this, like, um, it's like Python class, uh, it, it, we, this stuff where basically in Rempy, I'd say like show Margaret uh tf level four we like use numbers for how tf they are and then we had to like add species so it's like okay she's like she's species mouse tf level four uh maybe like she's hiding her tail so keep the tail disappeared and stuff like that um but yeah we basically have all this this custom code that handles like um layering all these images on top of each other and showing them as a dink, dink sprite that was um, coded by um, my friend, or I guess a mutual VN author. I don't know. Um, someone I met through student transfer. Um, what was it? Eliza. She, um, I think I was like talking to her about it. And she's like, and I was like describing what I wanted. And she's like, hold on. And then just like, here you go. I, uh, I made a prototype of what you need. I'm like, 
sweet. And then I just took that and I ran with it. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, <laughs> I think in the in the time since, hasn't that been added to Renpy as, as kind of a base feature? Yes, there is a version of what we're doing that's like an official RenP thing. So one thing we'll we will end up needing to do in the future, or that I still need to do um, for future projects, is um, see how the different system works and how compatible it is with like our current custom code. Because um, yeah, there's like a there's a the the workflow is like Katie's like here's a dump of all the sprites and stuff, and I'm like sweet, and then I take that and then I like make a character display file and then like here's all the different eyes and mouths we care about and like here's the order they need to display in now let me take all that and plug it into the character viewer so you can like actually play with the mouths and eyes and all that stuff like in a little sandbox environment okay cool now i can use that to like show it in the game to give an idea of how many different elements that we have uh margaret just by herself uh uh spoiler warning uh just Margaret, not Peggy, not Maggie, not Margaret in her bride dress, or any of the uh, any of those uh, variations. Variations. Just her. There are four hundred and nineteen different images that we can use to composite different oh. sprites and expressions. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Something we didn't mention in terms of like planning issues is like when we started the game, we we're like, I think Katie was like. Ooh, we can draw different arm poses. I'm going to draw like eight different arm poses for Margaret. Um, little did we know that uh, we then would need to uh, copy those or redraw those arms for each different outfit we had or just have missing arms and then had to deal with the logistical issue of like, okay, we have a new outfit. Which arms do we need? Okay, we can do these. Oh, her thinking arms would work really well here. Okay, maybe draw those arms and stuff like that. And it's like, there's some fun combinational logistics issues. The The problem is, is they were all like clothing fetishists. And so like, we were always just like so excited to add a new outfit yes. to everybody that we, that we are trapped in the cycle of adding new cute outfits to people. And then realizing, oh crap, now we need to redraw all these I arms and other assets. That is a differentiator for us. Is that one thing that always bothers me about visual novels is characters with only like one outfit. And I want all the outfits. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. There there are like there are many, many outfits yeah. in the game. Can confirm from playing it. And I mean you can even track your progress on how many outfits you've unlocked, which I thought was very helpful because I was like, okay, there's like ten for this one and there's seven for this one and then there's also different versions of each character and they have unique ones too so you can track it which is very good if you're a completionist <laughs> yeah that's actually one of the, one of the final um, uh, features that we're adding to the game right before it's uh, 1.0 release is we're adding a story chart because that's what everybody keeps asking for us it's like I can't figure out how I can't get this like last CG or so so we have a, a gigantic scrollable uh, flow chart that's like I don't know like 420,000 pixels wide just to show you how to get to every little piece of uh, story in the game. For the completionists out there. And then on Steam if you see every outfit you will get uh, the Sylvia's Apprentice achievement. I love it I, and I know Sylvia would too um, <laughs> and on that note I guess I kind of wanted to shift over to the story itself um, you know one of the things that really struck me the most about the story was how character driven and deep the plot was outside of tf like transformation is an instigator to drive the plot along to be clear and it plays a very important part on many levels but as i was reading it i just felt that 
at all times the story came first and that was really refreshing so i was curious to know is that a takeaway that maybe i'm just inferring randomly or was that kind of a deliberate decision on your parts to create the story for the game as overall so i would say that uh before before turning it over to to gunzel and zoe because they they are definitely the experts on story uh I would say that we definitely value TF, but also the ramifications of TF, the social uh, changes that are brought upon it, and uh, having characters deal with that in a realistic, but also like very like wholesome way. Uh, there's a little bit of, uh, I guess, DNA from my previous, my other project. I also work on. Uh, student transfer that kind of leaked into Mice T when I was uh, as a little bit of a background I didn't mention I like also joined student transfer worked on that for like six months and then I was like and for uh, it's like you use a bunch of like stolen like like they just like lift assets from like commercial Japanese VNs I was like what if I like started an original thing and paid people and we could make money and that was like the other thing that like made Mice T exist um but I bring it up because, like, the way they, like, they also were very much like, okay, story first, and then, like, the TF mechanics are, like, the instigators that drive the story and, like, the motivators for the story. Like, it's, and that's one of the things that differentiates it from, like, this is a fetish VN where so, or a TF jerk appears, and then they, like, bully the main character, and then it's over sort of thing, right? Like, the plot isn't the TF, it's the things around it. Um, like, they're very hard about that sort of thing. Um, but the other thing about that game that leaked into Mice T is they have this, like, uh, they call it the skeleton, but it's like, um, like the, it's, it, the way it works is like the main character finds like a body swap device in that game. And like, it's like, either they're going through their school day and he's like, Oh, here's my friend. So-and-so should I show them the body swap device? And if it's like, yes, it's like, okay, well, that's their route. And like, that is written by a completely different person. And it's like, okay, well, no. Oh, well, here's my other friend, so-and-so. Should I show them the device? And if you do that, then that's like another completely different path by another writer. So they were basically like trying to figure out how to crowdsource it and like segment these rap these like completely different storylines into like the same game. Uh, and I mentioned that because like Mice T kind of like took on a bit of that flavor where it's like, um, one, Margaret, like, it, it's like, it's kind of like who she confides in or like who finds out about the tea first. It's like, this is now a completely like, Margaret might as well be on the goddamn moon, like mm -hmm. in one route versus another uh, sort of thing where it's like, okay, well, in one, she's like doing like heists. And then in another, she's like running a book store, like a small business. And then in another one, she's in Vegas. Um, or three inches tall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, oh, and another one, she's in three, she's just three inches tall and figuring out how to be three inches tall. Um, but, like, I would say, like, that was a decent combination of, like, kind of the initial, like, how are we structuring this game sorts of things. Um, and, and, yeah, just combined with, like, because, again, my whole motivation here was, like, how do I make a game that contains kink content, but, like, I don't feel like a gross weirdo for like consuming it it's like um and i think a lot of that was like okay well you can include the kink content but you like have this like story surrounding it that like gives it context and gives it meaning 
and it, there's mm-hmm. more to it. Yeah, I, there are a lot of scenes, very specific scenes and just general themes that we really wanted to hit on that are, you know, our thing. I, I think, like, each path almost is, like, devoted to, like, a particular um, development member's kind of main uh, kink interest. <laughs> so we were very interested in, in getting to these, like, you know, various scenes and scenarios. But then we just like our characters too darn much that we don't just want to shove them in there. We want to, okay, like, we want a natural way for them to get there and we want, like, there to be realistic ramifications for that afterwards so because of this kind of like care we have for our characters we want to make sure that these like you know sexy scenarios are put in uh make sense and have you know a a broader and more meaningful context around them funnily enough our bad ends the places where you would traditionally be mean to your characters and have fetish stuff happen don't have fetish stuff happening um people are just bummed they're just sad yeah you're just bummed out and the game's over because, like, if it's like, oh, I'm reading a mean spirit force femme story, like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to watch this guy be forced to dress like a sexy lady, haha, bad end sort of thing. And here we're like, no, I don't know, Margaret had a falling out with her friends and it feels bad. The closest we had to that was uh, when you, like, don't, if Margaret doesn't make up with Sylvia at a certain point, she's, like, basically stuck with Peggy but doesn't know that Peggy's there. Um, and I'm, like, kind of, like, seeding in, like, Ooh, she's still floating around there. Ooh, she might come out and like possess, like essentially possess you and make you do a bunch of sexy things. And that was like the very closest we got to like ooh, like fetish content in a, in a bad end. But even then, it's like we don't show it; we just like tease it. Like it's not, it's yeah, not internally. Story. Internally, we even refer to them as bummer ends instead of bad ends. <laughs> yeah, uh, building off of the emotion of the story and everything. Like my favorite parts to draw weren't e- like I think I only got to do oh wait no that's not true I-, I did a couple of full transformation CGs in the game but my favorite ones to draw were really just these characters and their emotions like Margaret banging on the door or you know uh Gavin and Margaret flying those were like I I, I loved these characters so much and I wanted to express that with their emotions these strong emotions in these moments and i'm so glad that this game actually treats them like people that have thoughts and feelings and dreams and goals and everything instead of just uh you know fetish bait mm-hmm. i guess that was the first cg that you drew for us was uh was that gavin uh one? it was <laughs> Uh, I, I, uh, it's, it's probably my favorite, both because it was my first, but also because that was one of the ones that I saw and said, I, I want to draw this. I almost drew it for free. I almost just, I was like, if I have a free weekend, I want to draw one of these CGs and just send it to them and being like, you please, please use this. (laughs) As background, we really try to pay our artists a fair rate. So if she had done that, we would have forced her to take payment for it. No, that's good. I appreciate that. (laughs) We don't bully our characters much, but we do bully our artists to take more money. (laughs) I tried to do it, and you told me, you were like, no, no, we're going to pay you. (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, I think one of the things I was going to actually mention and building on that was just the fact that Meisty has these very strong defined characters, and um, you really do connect with them, and they feel like they have their own motivations. And so I guess I was curious... Um, how did you balance char- character motivations against the broader themes you wanted to speak to through the plot? Because 
I imagine there may have been some times where their motivations may have in some ways come into conflict with the story itself. Um, I, I think the, the reason that comes across most is because I think that is my kind of main strength as a writer is uh, character interactions and character voice. Um, I think that's kind of what I kind of lean into to kind of show off my skills is like, you know, uh, character dialogues and uh, consistent voices and distinct voices for the characters. Um, here's a, a tip for writers who are trying to like, you know, make their characters sound different. Uh, start off with like someone you hear a lot of and just try and base it off that. I listen to too many goddamn podcasts. And so sometimes what I'll do is I'll take a, a person like, oh, I've heard this p- person talk for hundreds of hours. I'm going to like start off with them as a, a, as a jumping off point and then kind of find something unique from there. Uh, and so starting from that is like, you know, having, trying to create these really kind of defined characters, it kind of becomes easy to kind of see where they go based on those, uh, interactions and, you know, uh, how they come across as a character. Um, when you have, uh, a character like Sylvia who, um, you know, thinks that she's kind and wants to be kind, but is kind of kind of blind to the kind of context around her and the the ways that her kind of like you know experience and you know background kind of shields her from other people's troubles um once you kind of have that in place and you see how uh once the story gets to the part where like her actions kind of start to negatively affect people it's easy to kind of go from there with that nugget and and feel out how she would act and how the story would progress from there based on that kind of like very concrete um, initial character kind of idea. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. And honestly, I think when it comes to Sylvia in particular, that very much shines through. I thought there was some very interesting interactions between her and Margaret that speak to her kind of coming to those realizations about her background and how that plays into how she views the world, particularly given how she treats Margaret at points. So um, Mm. I appreciate that too. I feel like, well, I don't, I'm trying to figure out if it's more than the Julie route, but I do think in general, a lot of the routes were kind of initially spawned from like, what would this character do if this tea was forced in their hands and they got to play with it. And in that way, I would say that, uh, the motivations really drive the story or it's like the how's it go um it's what they want versus what they need sort of thing um mm. but so but uh for um like julie route was very much a i think that was like me being like hmm if you're like an anarchist lesbian and you got the tea what we, i was like talking to my wife and i'm like and you like got tea that turned into an animal person what would you do she's like free disguise go like go rob some people and i'm like got it <laughs> that's what this route is now um and then it was funny because it's like okay well that's the premise but like what is the emotional through line and like that took a little more teasing to kind of get out of like okay they're doing these this series of heists but also there's like this um background of like margaret wanting to try and like get a real relationship out of or, let, or get what she wants out of this relationship while Julie wants other things and kind of the, like, tension there. While they're also, like, performing a bunch of cool heists and there's, like, a bunch of also weird... Like, that's also an interesting route because it's, like, it's basically just Margaret and Julie and then, like, 
Gavin doesn't show up until the very end. And then, like, also, I guess Sylvia and, like, this weird character named Portia are, like, having fun in the background and have no idea what's happening. Well, Gavin gets to have give the uh, sage friend advice, at least. Oh, yeah, uh, during he does. That route. Mm. So we, we throw him a bone there. but uh... Yeah. And then it's, like... The turning small route was like was just like Margaret's three inches tall. Uh, go, sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah that was the that was the one route that uh, was kind of like least aligned with one of the dev members' uh, kind of uh, you know interests or, or kinks. Uh, but then we thought like, wait a second, she's a mouse. She should turn small, right? We can't like we can't let this whole project go without like the mouse lady turning small. I guess we'll just do a size route. And then I hear people say like, oh man, now I'm into size play because of that route and we're like okay good because i wasn't at indecisive at the start of the route either so i'm glad it uh, worked out for both of us yeah i was gonna bring up exactly what zoe said is that just like uh, if if most of the routes have elements or are completely based off of things that uh we're really into uh that one was just like okay we, we kind of have to do it but then at the near the end we were just like we we're so excited we did this because we got to see so many like even just out of, outside of the sexy stuff, I absolutely loved drawing a tiny little Margaret poking out of Gavin's vest, yes. pointing at stuff in the shot. <laughs> uh, that sprite is adorable. Standing mm-hmm. on a pedestal at the wedding, like you know, standing in Julie's hands as they kiss. Ah, oh, it was so it was so much fun. So then I'm, I'm curious, you know, I was going to, I mean, you've talked a, a lot already about how you kind of developed some of the plot of the story, but um, I guess my question was, were there any routes that you felt were really difficult to write? It sounds like maybe this one at the beginning was, but were there any other complications when you were writing specific routes? Um, for for the, uh, the Sylvia route, that's the one that deals with hypnotism, and that wasn't a thing that I was kind of had much experience with uh, at the time, and the way that we kind of ended up with the Sylvia route, uh, or yeah, the way that we ended up with the Sylvia route was a little bit different from kind of like the things that got some of us into Hypno in the first place. Uh, some of that just had to do with like the fact that I was talking before, like, you know, oh, we like these characters so much, you know, we uh, we want like the best things for them. And we thought like, okay, how do we like make uh, this like hypnotism path, which is like, you know, very often there's kind of like weird, like, you know, uh, dark kind of connotations with that with that uh, kink and we thought like okay what's like the most like positive kind of like you know uh way that we can present this and that kind of like led us off into a different path and kind of like maybe what we initially led to do and and part of that's like okay like we did like the kind of like uh atypical hypno road now let's do a little side route where we can just have like a lot of like fun like stage hypno shenanigans where we make people think there's something they're not and you know, we'll we'll throw that kind of bone to that kind of the hypno people. If they don't want, like you know, like the the self improvement through hypno route, we have the one where, like you know, we make a lady think she's a dog and and bark around and stuff. Yeah, that one was interesting because we're like we had no idea. Like I think we that was very much a like we are building this plane while it's in flight type of things, and it's like and it was a thing where it wasn't like okay, well. Um, we have this sequence where uh, through this hypnosis, Margaret gets this alternate personality, and then ha- and then like I guess we reconcile that, and now there's kind of this this pluralism. I would say like I guess like possession, um, like like Margaret's allowing someone to possess her while she is conscious. Situation going on, 
and now we have set four more days of content. What do we do? <laughs> sort of thing. So like, I think there's definitely like a, there was not a lot of, uh, the, the amount of outlining and the amount of planning kind of like varied. And I think that like, that, that built that like kind of went to the strengths and that allowed us to be kind of like fluid and like have a lot of fun ideas in some routes. And then other ones, it's like, yeah, we're like, well, we veered off in this other direction that we didn't intend on going in. Whoops. And yeah, I, I think we ended up things. finding like a lot of good, you know, story and character and, and sexy scenes uh, via some of those places that we veered off that we didn't intend to, but they definitely were kind of uh, different from what we set out to do in the first place. Yeah. Sylvia route was like, Sylvia needs to hypnotize Margaret to be a hot, sexy Garu. And also Sylvia has two penises. That was like number <laughs> one and two. Well, I, I appreciate that, that uh, dedication to detail. So thank you for that. Um, I guess that I'm also curious in terms of, you know, I mean, obviously one of the hallmarks of a visual novel is the ability to make these decisions that send you down particular paths. Um, I know you talked a little bit about how the kind of beginning was built off of the other project that you had done, Gunzel, but um, I'm curious how you designed overall the decision trees for the various permutations of the story, because they do obviously feel very deliberate. Like you've already mentioned, there are, there are some bummer endings and such, but what was the design process behind the crafting of the story in with this kind of decision making process that you see in video games? Well, I think uh, Gunsel mentioned a little bit before, but uh, certain uh, visual novels have the sort of thing where like you have a main kind of trunk story and you have little branches that kind of remerge with it. Uh, Mice T is very much kind of like, which of these four short stories do you want to read? that aligns with either your kink or the characters you want to see. Um, so they're very distinct. They don't kind of merge back onto each other. Um, and one of the things that I think some players have given us feedback that maybe that's, that's not what they prefer, but every single time you make a decision in the game, it results in new story content. Um, there's not like little diversions where like, you choose a different uh, dialogue option to have a little bit of like, you know, dialogue flavor. Every time you, you make a decision in the game, you see different things based on it. Um, and so there aren't quite as many choices as in some visual novel, but they do result in very distinct, very different uh, content, depending on where you go down. Um, and we think that kind of makes it a little bit easier for players to kind of track their progress and, you know, not have to select the, you know, the, these 14 very specific options in order to get the very super secret ending. Um, yeah. Which, which we feel is a little bit kind of uh, becomes tedious after a while. Yeah. Uh, the major visual novel choice design pet peeves I have that I wanted to avoid at all costs are the uh, series of flavor choices that accrue uh, arbitrary points that then uh, maybe get you an ending that you want, um, which I think was snow days was one i played like that um where it was like you have no feedback on what these dialogue options do but if you pick or it's like kind of vague feedback but if you pick the wrong ones then like yeah you got the bad ending but not the sexy one but if you want the sexy bad ending you need to do these things yes it's the thing where like if you have pancakes on day two that results in you know something wild on the last yeah, stuff that day. like there's zero foreshadowing like all of the 
choices in my tea have very explicit and clear and obvious consequences where it's like um and 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 are beefy enough to make you feel like okay that was a distinct thing where it's like um the biggest one that is the least of a plot branching thing is the cat scratch choice Mm -hmm. where margaret gets scratched by a newly tg felicia there's enough tg juice for margaret to have a penis Mm -hmm. um and then that like changes like a later se- or gives you a choice in a later scene. And I think through the development, I think we tried to make the kind of outcomes of those choices even more explicit. I think I remember whether you start the uh, Julie day or the um, or the Julie path or the Felicia path was whether you like turn left or right, basically. And we came to the decision like, oh, wait, that's not like really giving people much kind of uh much of an idea of like what they can expect from doing these decisions. So like we made it more just like, okay, no, go home or follow Felix. Um, and hopefully we have things like content warnings that can t- tell you what you to expect from each route, but hopefully just intuitively players can kind of like expect uh, certain content based on what's in front of them. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say like content warnings in particular were very helpful as I was navigating it. The only, the funny thing actually I will just say is, um, I couldn't figure out how to get to Gavin's route when I first played, and then I had to like go back and like be like, "Oh, it was the size play route." But um, otherwise, everything was like very clear to me. Here's some TFT. The first choice is whether you want to overdose on it. Have fun. God, that's one of the funniest lines in the game. <laughs> oh, just just the the choice whether or not to take it just the yes eight tea bags put eight <laughs> yeah, that yeah. yeah that is some that is some gunzel writing that survived <laughs> and yeah the, the other one is like berating yourself for being a drunk idiot and getting the calculation wrong yeah no you drunk idiot god i love that it's so good I'd love to touch a little more actually on the character diversity within the story. Um, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I think one of the massive strengths in my mind is the diversity of the cast and it meaningfully affects the story. So when it came to the process of developing the characters themselves, I know Zoe, you touched a little bit on like tips for building a basis for characters, but how did you as a group come to developing the characters themselves and how did you then balance that against ensuring that there was a diverse cast uh i'll take a little bit of this um one of the things so at the the beginning of the at the beginning of the uh uh of development uh everyone was white and we sort of like thought okay well or well margaret was like it was kind of vague with margaret it was vague with margaret but um yeah she was definitely more tan than the others and i think at the time she was she Brazilian at that point? No, she was no, vaguely, okay. vaguely off white. It wasn't until like twenty nine. It was it wasn't until we like showed it at like that twenty nineteen convention where some people were like all these characters are white. And we're like, yes, Shit. that's exactly what I wanted to bring up. Is we actually uh, I was actually with the Changeling Tale folks at uh, uh, Anthro New England in twenty nineteen, and they were gracious enough to allow us to put a uh, Mice T demo on the same machine that they were playing their Changeling Tale demos on. And uh, we had uh, a gentleman sit down and play it and he's like, this is this is really good. I like where it's going. Uh, do you guys have any plans for any like diversity in the, car- in the cast? And that's where we were just like, oh man, we should really like look into that a bit more. And 
uh, I think that, uh, you know, at that point it was just like, okay, well, we kind of have Nero Pan on staff. Let's, let's ask him about like, you know, what if we made Margaret Brazilian? What sort of things would uh, her background and heritage look like? And uh, how can we incorporate that? And I think Zoe did a wonderful job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. At, at first, like we thought like, oh, this will be great. We have this person on the development team who can help us with that, uh, that stuff. And then, you know, as we mentioned, he, he unfortunately had to bow out of the team. And then what we had is we already had some uh, fans who, you know, were Brazilian or Brazilian American, and we could go to them. Um, one specifically is mentioned in the credits and gets uh, gets a shout out for, like, you know, giving us those insights. And I, I think it was important to ask first or, like, you know, make your kind of first kind of... Uh, impulse to ask about something i remember early on we had a line uh at the bar occurs early in the story where margaret's talking about how her you know relatives are getting on her for um you know not being married yet um and i think the original line was like you know oh my parents are on my case about getting married and i realized i realized like oh wait a second i'm kind of making an assumption that that is a kind of relevant touchstone for Brazilian people like I should actually ask like is that something that um people would like you know that like, would ring true and so I asked uh, this person they said oh no the stereotype is, you know in Brazil is that your aunts are the ones who are going to get on your case for uh for being unmarried and so I was like okay that that I'm that is actually going to be a relevant thing I will add that detail thank you and uh there's just like other part, parts of the game where we it's you know, you have to stop and, like, avoid making the uh, assumption, uh, avoid making, you know, that you assume that, you know, these things are universal. Like, no, I'm actually going to take the effort to ask and see if I can get a more true-to-life uh, uh, detail here. Yeah, I will say that stood out to me. Like, obviously, as I alluded to at the top, like, Margaret particularly resonated with me as someone who has Brazilian heritage and uh, only has kind of okay Portuguese. And, you know, that that moment that you mentioned stood out to me. I was like, okay, someone definitely knew what they were doing when they wrote this, uh, because that is a stereotype. And um, the Portuguese that's within the the visual novel is all correct grammatically and, and works very well. And that made me happy to see as well. Um, so I guess, yeah, I was going to ask as to how you kind of brought that sort of authenticity to each character's background and worldview. And it sounds like you were able to get direct feedback from people who had those backgrounds, which I think is really fantastic. Yeah, it, it, as long if your first impulse is to ask, that goes a long way. Uh, we got some impulse from some uh, Chinese speakers with the uh, with the label on the on the uh, T as as you know, Julie as a as a Chinese speaker. Like, how would she how would she read this Japanese text, and what would she be able to pick out from her own knowledge, and what she would have to you know sit down and and translate? Um, uh, I and I remember one of the the funniest things that that. Uh, came from kind of, you know, asking uh, some of our our fans, you know, who have that kind of like firsthand cultural knowledge is I got exposed to just a lot of like Brazilian memes that they would use to share with me. And like, okay, like, oh, we need to like, you know, add some like details to Margaret's apartment. Ah, I got you. Here is the Brazilian apartment starter pack meme. And it's like, you know, like the the like the dark brown glass plates and the the filter of the barro, uh, you know, water filter that everybody has. I'm like, okay, those are going in the background. Perfect. This is what we need. Um, one of the one of the uh, more interesting 
or not more interesting, but they're all interesting. One of the one of the quirkier uh, little things, uh, Zoe, I want to I want you to talk about is how you came up with uh, the pun for the uh, for one of the final sequences in the Felicia Path. Oh yes, uh, I I I've been a little bit worried this this podcast that we're going in a little bit too much ter- spoiler territory, and this is a, kind of a late game thing, but I think it's is relevant. Is um uh there's uh you learn in all the different roots that uh what you turn into when you drink the tea is is altered based on what any additives that you add and so um you know if you add like say like uh lion's mane you, you turn into a lion pretty simple and i came up with this idea of like okay how they're going to test the limits of this this power that the tea has and one of the characters notices like wait a second why would you turn into a lion if you put lion's mane in it, there's nothing like inherently lion-like about this plant. It's only because you speak English that you make the connection, right? And so there's a scene where they're testing the limits of this, and they put uh, bay leaf into the tea, um, and Margaret turns into a parrot because loro is bay leaf in Portuguese, and it's also a kind of nickname for parrots, and it doesn't affect other characters the same way. Uh, and, I, and so I said, like, okay, I'm going to do the scene, and I need, I need to have the, the equivalent of like lion's mane or zebra grass, but in Portuguese. So I ended up going into the Reddit and asking people, like, okay, Brazilian speakers of Reddit, what is a a plant animal pun that I can put into this game? And I got a lot of good uh, um, suggestions, and the 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 parrot one made the most sense, and uh, Mira brought that to life, and. I think it's one of the kind of like the more kind of dramatic, uh, visually impressive TFs in the game. Oh yeah, the the progression on that one is really cool. Yeah, like it was great to see. And I, I when you said Bayleaf, I immediately knew what it was going to be, and that made me very happy. Oh so, really? Nice. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, someone knows what they're doing. It, it, uh, yeah, I just the Brazilian connection got me all. I don't know what to tell you, but it did. <laughs> <laughs> I I have been very surprised uh, about how like how much that has resonated with people. I and I think we I got a little bit of inkling when we first kind of decided that Bra- uh, Margaret was going to be Brazilian when we had Nero on the team. Is that like oh like yeah that makes sense like we'll have her be Brazilian and then like I look into it like wait a second there are very very few just kind of Brazilian characters in American popular culture like it's a real big dearth. Um, like two characters in Street Fighter are not much else honestly. And so it's it's been very uh, fun to see the enthusiasm uh, that Margaret um, uh, elicits in a lot of people. Like in some of the commissions that we've done, they see her speaking Portuguese and specifically Brazilian Portuguese, and people yeah. just get very excited about that. Yeah, I, I will say uh, that um, as the meme goes, Brazilians are quite vocal online, and so uh, <laughs> we have to punch a little bit above our weight in terms of representation sometimes, and we make up for that by being loud on the internet. So... Um, yeah, I, I, we see a lot of Brazil mentioned memes. Yeah, uh, since since Margaret is Brazilian and shows up in like you know commissions and art and stuff. Yeah, I I will say there's a there's a meme that I sent one of my friends as I started playing the game. Um, it's uh, is that a motherfucking Brazil reference? And I just exactly. like sent it almost immediately. I was like, oh my god! And like that was my reaction. My friend was like, oh, I see, I see what is happening already in the game. Good, good, good luck and have fun. So I got very excited. But um, yeah, we have yet to do. We have yet to like make a meme that stars Margaret in one of those. So I, I hope someday you do because it will be a banger in my opinion. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess like you know, building off of that, like. 
one of the things that I felt, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, was that, you know, each of the characters in the story has very clear goals and motivations, and they often feel like they're very built off of their backstories quite effectively. So you talked a little bit, I think, about uh, Margaret's backstory, and we've talked a little bit, I think, in part about Julie's. Um, were there any specific things that you'd like to note for Sylvia and Gavin and uh, Felicia? Hmm. Uh, well, I think one of the, the funny things it had to, uh, do with, um, Gavin's kind of background and characterization is like, okay, we have one straight guy. We need to make him the best straight guy possible. Like we, they only, there's only one in the game. We need to like imbue all the good qualities we can possibly give him into this one guy since he's such a sweet and nice boy. Um, let's see. I think for Sylvia... I mentioned a little bit kind of how her her background can kind of uh, let her to be kind of like less kind and less of a, of a good friend than she wanted to be. And I think her kind of background is kind of a uh, rich and privileged person who has to confront that in the story and has to kind of see how that's not uh, a universal experience. Um, let us kind of play around with like the kind of like rich girl uh, stereotypes in fun ways that allowed that to um, serve as like, you know, just a fun character archetype to start out with, but one that like, you know, was fun to uh, have her grow, not necessarily out of, but like grow, grow from. Um, yeah. And we also gave her like, like we have an internal idea of what her like, I guess like transition looked like that we uh -huh. just, chose not to include in game in any way just mm -hmm. say like this is her yeah. sort of uh, thing anyone else i guess when we were kind of like in the initial planning stages of the different characters <laughs> uh sorry i just um i i wasn't part of the planning but i wanted to talk about the impact of um I, I don't know if i should say mice tea spoilers but fucking mice tea spoilers uh, we got we got two trans girls in the game. I mean, I've spoiled the game so much already. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, and it was so one of the it, it, Felicia's route is the full. You get to see Felicia's transition and coming to grips with being trans and the euphoria and everything, and that's absolutely wonderful. But it was also a breath of fresh air to have Sylvia just come out also in one of the funniest fucking jokes in the game oh my god yes uh just just come out and just be like margaret i'm transgender and and just oh the i remember where i was when i was reading it i, I was on vacation and i was just sitting on the couch and i just literally went like yes i i was so deliriously happy to 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 have that kind of trans representation in the game and then to get it twice with Felicia was like there are so many moments in the game for trans women like me that are so just affirming in you know like Felicia getting her ID and everything you know and and just uh oh god it's 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 I don't know. I, I thought it was very important to mention the importance of that and, and kind of the effect it had on me personally, which is why it's, I probably fucking put so much uh, effort into uh, CGs that had uh, the both of them in them. 
Yeah, I, I think when you have like a, a transformation game and you have trans characters, your first initial thought is like, oh, well, of course, it's like it's going to be that's going to be the story. Right. And we do include that in the game. But I we thought it would be a fun change of pace and refreshing in a way if there's a TF game, but this character has already had their transition years ago. Like, that's not the story. Like, that's part of their background. But that is like not relevant at all to the kind of ongoing uh, story. It's just like a fact about them. It's, you know, it's just a part of who they are. It's it's not the kind of main focus of this transformation uh, story. Yeah. No, I thought that was very refreshing, too. And I really appreciated that there was that level of representation in it in the game and also that it felt very organically built in. I will also say that uh, much like Gavin, I am the I am the sole straight straight guy in this group. And uh, I feel very privileged to be working with such a diverse group of people who can even just open my eyes to that sort of content and sort of uh, help me understand from a way that I would never thought I would uh, the things that, you know, trans, non-binary, you know, people go through. I think my favorite... Uh, piece of community feedback. I realize that we talk about Mice T spoilers a bit, but we also haven't necessarily given a plot synopsis of the game. So most people will probably have played the game if they're this far in. Anyway, one of my favorite pieces of fan feedback I've heard was like when the, someone would play through the Felicia route and then they'd like start another route and they're like, Oh, Felix, I haven't heard that name in years. Oh, gee, I sure hope everything works out for this person in this timeline. And it's like, who do you think you're dealing with? We are going, I'm going, it's like at the very beginning, I'm like, I'm going to think of a fun, a fun or funny way to have this character transition in every path. And that's like one of my, it's like one of those little joys I had in like outlining these different paths. It's like how how are we gonna how are we gonna have this person kind of like come to grips with their with their identity yeah uh, in this timeline oh man yeah no that that was honestly fantastic to see in each of the paths um and and then I guess you know that makes me think then what the process was behind developing the transformations that applied to each character because off of the idea of course was that the animal that someone transformed into was based kind of on the person's character and so I was curious as to like obviously you talked about Margaret and the initial concept and how that related to mice, but I was curious as to how you settled on the creatures for the other characters. Well, the, yeah, that's the main joke of mice tea. If, if nothing else, like the thing that's uh, funny about mice tea is that Margaret turns into a mouse. All of her paramours turn into predators of mouse and she still doms the shit out of them anyway. <laughs> um, it's true. Most of the time she doms, uh, sometimes, n- sometimes not, but we always like let her get the upper hand sometimes in the, in the relationship. Uh, so yeah, the predator prey thing was a big thing. And I think the only route in which that isn't like the, isn't like the most clear is the Julia route. And that's because that's the route where you are the little bandit who runs around writing wrongs by stealing stuff. So the racking was perfect for that. Mm. Um, yeah, it really was just that kind of like predator prey dynamic that we wanted to play around with and invert most of the time. But uh, um, yeah, it started with the cat think... and mouse, and then I'm like, oh wait, we should have other le- love interests. How do we extrapolate on cat and mouse? Yeah, uh, for Sylvia, it was definitely a case of like, oh man, we really like like hot uh, like Yaru office ish like ladies, 
uh, but we also really like like Gunzel's really into hypnosis, and I was like, well, what if we make her a snake? And I like snake ladies. Let's do that. And uh, it sort of <laughs> exactly <laughs> and that too. And uh, it, it just it just fit the narrative so well to just like okay, she's a snake now. Perfect. Uh, and uh, Gavin, I think Gavin was the one we had the hardest time with because we didn't. None of us on the on the on the staff. Oh, okay. Out of all the like hardcore furries on the staff, I would say uh, I am not particularly into birds, and I have not really drawn a lot of birds. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was sort of like that necessary. Like, if we're gonna have predators of mice, I feel like we've got to have a bird, right? And so uh, that sort of just ended up being uh, Gavin's TF, and we just like wanted to make like even though. Like it wasn't something we were particularly like into before. We wanted to make uh, we wanted to make his TF as interesting as possible, mm-hmm. and that is also sort of where I think the idea that Gavin spoilers again uh, is actually just a TF fetishist himself also came into play, <laughs> where uh, he's just like, oh, cool, I'm a hawk. That's 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 this is my fetish you know that kind of thing <laughs> i gotta say that reveal actually had me like howling because we it was the last path i played and i was like we went through the whole thing and this was just sitting right here and i didn't realize it was here it was it was very funny <laughs> that, if you go back uh, and play a few different routes when he's first introduced to the tea and the, what happens from it you you might notice some di- some particular re- reactions yes. he has to that yes. information yes <laughs> quote oh my god a cat girl yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, um, Gavin is like the most the most on the nose of all the uh, name puns that we have for our characters and what they turn into. His name literally means like Falcon of the Falcon. <laughs> that's true. Actually, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. Yeah. A lot of a, a lot of members of our community for a long time were very very uh insistent that they had either figured out gavin's tf or they're like i know i know what it's gonna be or it's probably gonna be this right and they were just like uh uh fuck what's the word um postulate yeah theory craft like you know what what is gavin's tf Mm -hmm. and at the moment uh that we sort of dropped the update that uh that revealed it uh zoe like the mastermind she is put together uh like this conspiracy theory chart of all the different ways that gavin and all like his name and all of the things that he says like points to the fact that he would turn into a hawk (laughs) or at least a bird that's amazing i love that you had a chart ready (laughs) yeah i and then i and i drew with my left with my left like non-dominant hand the the meme of like the snowman from that horror movie and wrote, we gave you all the clues. And it's Margaret with her, like, mice ears and tails and stuff. Margaret de Campos, which is, like, Margaret of the Fields. or Yeah, Rato de Campo is, like, a, a type of mouse in Portuguese. I was rereading part of the beginning this morning, and I noticed, Zoe, that you put in, like, the, the book that she's reading, the part that she's talking to Gavin about is is literally the character getting turned into a bird and i was like oh my god yeah <laughs> and then in the very next scene like the football helmet is just, is, is just gavin 
the the sports mascot on the football helmet is just Gavin. Oh my gosh. Um, well, speaking on that as well, you know, obviously each character's story also features p- particular sexual themes that are tied to their wants and desires. Um, I think you've kind of answered how you settled on some of the specific kinks, given you were like, let's put in our kinks. Um, but were there any that like you had to leave out but really wished you could have included? One, two, three. <laughs> we we sort of we sort of saw that question coming and we were just yeah. like okay we gotta answer all at once no uh let's 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 go alphabetically so, again the fun thing is that uh the game we conspired to make after this one is to fill those gaps uh the biggest thing that i was not able to get out of this game was any kind of um like basically like cross-dressing and gender bender that doesn't necessarily uh have a explicit like trans through line um and there's a little bit of it with gavin but um there's like this it is like he's not the pov character and it's like just a little taste um but the biggest thing is like i want to see guys in i want to see guys in cute dresses i want to see guys in cute dresses and i want to see him get railed honestly i love this this sounds great sorry continue <laughs> so uh my biggest thing is just I, okay. I am I am a very like I wear my I, I wear my likes on my sleeve. I guess you could say uh, I'm just really into bunny girls. I like bunny girls and bunny suits. And while we did draw one outfit that Margaret wears for like a hot minute uh, in okay, it's more than a hot minute, I guess. Um, in one of the endings, uh, I didn't get to draw any bunnies bunny suits uh in this game i'm like that is that is one of my biggest thing i got to draw a couple office ladies that's my other big thing but uh, i love me some bunny suits and bunny girls and leotards and stockings and high heels and to briefly interject uh very early on someone asked what you're not putting bunny suits in this visual novel you're brainstorming and i remember katie you said something like well i want to like work up my skill for the next one and then i'm gonna do it really good so we're on the track. <laughs> uh mira uh i'm i'm a huge fan of uh gender transformation and then leading to uh pregnancy and all of the uh highs and lows that comes with that and all the difficulties and everything uh basically one of the things I I love that the game does well for other transformations is exploring the implications of the transformation. Like, not just like, oh, they transformed and then they're done. It's like, no, you gotta live in it. You know, like, you gotta live with this. And uh, I I love that for pregnancy TGs. Uh, so, but unfortunately, I was, uh, I, I, uh, I was too late, oh no, to... Which is probably for the best, because I think I would probably be too uh, self-indulgent. <laughs> we actually were kind of brainstorming for future projects and if we would, would include that. And it was funny because we were having that conversation on our, our Discord and kind of brainstorming about what it could be. And we had to, uh, me and Mira had to like handhold Gunzel as like what the what the kink entailed. Because like we're like, oh, we should add pregnancy in this game, and guns went, oh, yeah, there'll be a jump forward, and then it's dropping your kids off at, at like you know daycare, and we're like, no, 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 <laughs> it's not being a parent fetish; it is specifically being pregnant. It's like trying to like you know get the cat to like look at the camera by holding like the yeah the jingle bell behind it. You don't understand. We want a slow burn. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the part where the impregnation happens. No, the part where they are pregnant and have a big belly. Yeah. Oh, we okay. want swollen heels and maternity dresses. All right. <laughs> um, one of the other things that uh, happened uh, during development, uh, there is a particular transformation in the Julie path that uh, I am very grateful to Gunzel and Zoe for letting me include because it is a very indulgent uh tf for me it's probably uh there's a question uh later on like one of, what's the one of the favorite things that you drew for the project i was very happy to be able to draw that uh that tf and that particular fetish because that's just like outside of my like more like superficial ones that is that is one of the ones that i just i'm really into mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I'll tell you like what our uh, we used to have a feedback uh, form that like you would on our itch.io page that would let you like uh, give feedback on what is like still more like an active development, not like in wrapping up development. Right, right. And um, we would say like, oh, what finishes would you like to see us explore? Um, and uh, there were, well, for one, there were uh, ones that we really liked it was like, oh, please add this into the game. And they're like, haha, that is in the game. Aren't you in for a nice surprise once you get play the full thing? And then uh, the other two that we got all the time were Pregnancy, which we've already talked about, and Vor. Everyone is very surprised that we didn't add Vor to the game with, like, the tiny mouse lady who was hit on by all these, like, you know, predators. I remember early on, yeah, we we were, uh, we had a, a, a different kind of team member who's no longer on the team uh, who would always bully us about not adding Vor to the game to the extent that we had an official development team meme that was, have you ever seen that... Um, meme where it's like the princess being protected by the the, the knight yes from, yes from from all the uh peasants like throwing tomatoes at her yeah our version of that was like you know uh britney and gunzel bullying kd to add vor to mice tea and then it was me with a shield protecting kd from <laughs> from their slings and arrows i drew bunny ears on the princess and everything and made her hair blue <laughs> and it was it was it was a good time um I guess then last question, and this is my self-indulgent question. I'm personally very big on MM content, which of course isn't a focus of this work. I mean, given the main character's woman and such. Uh, so are there any plans for a Brazzle spinoff or like in the next game or no? Um, there will, I definitely want MM con. Well, I'm trying to think how to put it. There's definitely going to be gay sex is what I want to have. Okay. Male on male sex. Amazing. That's what, uh, content I want in the next game. Um, like the the big thing I wanted with the next game was like, um, as someone who over the course of the development of Mice T like kind of came to terms with my own gender and like eventually settled on non-binary, not really feeling any representation mm-hmm. surrounding like being non-binary uh, yeah. and basically anywhere. Like it's like ah okay you're trans so like you're gonna like do estrogen and like take procedures to be a woman. I'm like. No, I just like to wear dresses and makeup and look cute. And like, I totally still love my body. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, how can we, how can I like encompass that in a game? So it's like the, uh, a major part of the next game is like having a character who is able to like TG for fun, sexy times, but like still be okay with like a male or female body and still be able to like date characters where that character can like accept them no matter what body they have. Um, So it's like, a thing we are brainstorming there would be like, okay, well, the main character's uh, dating a dude, and then, you know, sometimes they're having fun, like, 
uh, girl mode dates and sometimes they're having fun boy mode dates and it kind of like just depends on like how they're feeling um, and stuff like that is those are the kind of notes uh, I am hoping to hit well I look forward to that Uh, that sounds like a great time Um, I guess I'd like to touch on the last topic that I had and that was around you know actually doing the the drawings for the visual novel and talk a little bit about the art development process and how that came to be so um, I guess to start, and you have talked about this to some degree, but how did you go about creating each character visually? Did you already have like a strong visual mental image or was there an extensive concepting stage? Um, there was a lot of concepting for Margaret. Uh, we actually have quite a few versions of Margaret. Actually, I think Heart Gear also like helped give us like three bookish looking girls to go off of. And then I just sort of started building off of that mm-hmm. with like, Oh, here's a woman that is, uh, you know, in a skirt and, uh, like a completely different outfit than Margaret has. And here's one in a sweater. And it's like, okay, well they're going to wear an oversized sweater and, you know, comfy pants. Cause she's not very confident with her body. Yeah. I'm actually going through and we're adding like a kind of bonus gallery to the game that has like, you know, concept art and stuff. And yeah, I think the earliest thing is like a, a heart gear, uh, concept that is like you know a little lineup and like oh yeah yeah that left one to left that's definitely Margaret. Yep. Um, and then uh, for the other characters, uh, Sylvia was very much like uh, we are we are into office ladies and Garu and what can we like how can we just like make a very smart and sexy dressed uh, girl in our game and so I just threw together stuff. Uh, as I said before, Neropan was also very influential in the style that we took the game. Right. Uh, the, I would say that the Meisty art style uh, and my own art style actually as a conduit of that has become a bit more, uh, a bit a bit less like strictly anime and a bit more like, I don't know, cartoony anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, especially in the way that like Margaret's hair is rendered or... Um, uh, how the cats are rendered for example like felicia's cats um and like that was that was very much as a result of narrow pan helping us to develop some of the cg scenes and just like him doodling the characters on his own time or uh you know making little silly doodles of them that's where the pickle shirts came from. yes we we never touched on that uh narrow pan has this character that's just like the princess of all pickles named piccolini and uh he wanted to he he didn't want to but he jokingly added like in a character lineup like Piccolini's secret fifth character and um we're just like well we want to you know Nero's not going to be part of the project for much longer anymore but we, we want to sort of keep like the spirit of Nero in this project so that's when Julie started suddenly wearing a bunch of novelty pickle t-shirts <laughs> with a bunch of pickle puns on them they're all great for the record they're all great puns <laughs> She's a lesbian that wears short shirts and uh, t-shirts, and we really got the mileage out of that. We uh, wanted like one for like pretty much like one new for every time she shows up in the game, but then we just ran out of puns. Uh, we had we have one more good name for uh, or one more good pickle pun, but we couldn't include it because it had like a copyrighted term in it, and like ah oh, crap, we can't put that yeah. in. She was the easiest person to make outfits for because we just recolored her shirt and then we put a different graphic on it um yep as opposed to everyone else which was a lot especially sylvia sylvia was like all right just do a whole new thing sylvia's got not only different outfits but different hairstyles 
And depending on like how she's presenting herself, like she's got a completely different uh, pose that uh, we need to draw those outfits around. Sometimes those outfits are on both pose, so we have to draw them twice and that sort of thing. We make her not tan for a gag, and then we have to live <laughs> with it. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Um. Well, obviously, you know, as you've also mentioned with the discussion about the arms earlier, I mean, creating art for a visual novel re- requires a massive amount of variation for the characters, and it's thus very intensive. So I guess for Mira and KD, like, how did you find the process overall in terms of having to draw 50 million sets of arms and things like that? Honestly, that was probably, like, if there's, I, I don't want anyone to have the impression that any part of Mice Tea was terrible or like like that I had that I hated it. Yeah. Like this game has literally changed my life. But I will say that the low part, the lowest point that I was at was just literally realizing that I had to draw like 60 different arms for Margaret and just banging those out one after the other. And everyone on stream making jokes about how I'm turning her arms on and off and it's like, oh she's unarmed. Uh-huh. <laughs> All that, all that silliness, and just like, uh, you know, at the same time, maybe not having the best experience with my professional life, and it's just like, ah, oh, this is really grating. I hope I get through this soon. But it was, it, it, it definitely ended in sort of like, okay, here's just a trickle of new stuff. And Zoe was also very helpful uh, near the back end, the back half of the project, where she really, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write the scene. Uh, determine what outfits they're going to be in and then i'm going to specifically tell you what arm poses you need to draw in this outfit so that you don't have to draw every single one and then uh you know have to do all that extra work and then i had to write a bunch of logic in the character viewer to like basically check whether that arm file exists or not and then if it doesn't like basically like hide that from the the list of arms that you can toggle between and things like that because otherwise the game just kind of crashed so that was a very fun and unique challenge. I had a, a similar experience, uh, not because I did the uh, sprite work, but because on the CGs, I am fortunately or unfortunately a bit of a show off. So uh, Zoe and everybody would be like, okay, Mira, for the CG, we've only got like two alts, like two different versions, like one with them, like let's say smiling and one with them like not smiling or something like that, right? And I would be like, I can do more than two alts for this because what I would do is I would replay that scene in the game just to kind of get a feel for like, okay, here's what the characters are doing. Here are the things that I absolutely need to illustrate. Here are the things that I don't. And usually I would get inspired and be like, oh, wouldn't it be really cute if I had like the characters doing this or doing that? And uh, so that ended with me sifting through like a clip studio paint file that had like so many different layers and alts that sometimes I would get a little confused and uh sometimes I would send joke pictures to everybody of like Mira uh sorry uh of uh Zoe no not Zoe Felicia and Margaret with like 12 different arms like looking like (laughs) one of those like Buddha statues or whatever (laughs) Mira has figured out a very distinct grift in that she can get me to write more game if she includes so much art that I said, like, well, I can't just have, like, us linger on this illustration for one line. I need to, like, write more story in order for, like, the players to look at this art more. Yeah, Mice T is a feedback loop 
of just people enjoying the things they're working on and then trying to make a better thing because someone else did a cool thing and they want to jump off of it. Katie, is it true that the entire reason that the story involves uh, being able to turn into different things by adding different things to tea is because you made a joke on a stream by drawing Sylvia as a fox? Okay, I think... I think it predated that. Yeah, I think... I think the tea turning you into different things based on what's in it predated that part, but... Uh, that was so I could turn Felix into a girl before we determined yeah. that they were trans. Right. Um, so, uh, there is there was a, a stream that I was in, and it was a multi-stream on Picardo, so I had a bunch of friends that uh, I was drawing with, and I was like, okay, well, I am drawing... I am the only person in this group that's not drawing a furry character. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just give Sylvia some fox ears and, uh, oh, maybe I'll just draw over her face and give her like a little fox muzzle and a tail. And it's all a joke, right? It's it's just a joke. And everyone's like, oh man, new Sylvia TF confirmed. I'm like, no guys, it's just a joke. And they're like, yeah, sure it is. And then uh, uh, what's up? One of the developers for Changeling Tale mm-hmm. is just like, you know, you have to put that in the game, right? Anything that you do is now canon. I'm just like, are you? that but and he's like just do it (laughs) no people aren't gonna get upset by this cute fox lady in our furry game put her in thank you they'll riot there's a situation where you posted an image and we're just like holy fuck where are we putting that in the game so yeah that that sort of like steamrolled into like oh well then uh that that's gonna be totally what she turns into in this uh path or this is how they uh test out the tea alchemy uh things like that and uh yeah, it was, it was, it was just a really silly. Like, if it, if if that's, if it is probably a good example of like one of the silliest little events turning like into a lot of content. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I guess then you know because you had to do all this art, I imagine at some points you might have run into any sort of art block or stuff like that. If you did, how did you push through it? I, uh, I am a. Ooh, how do I say this? Uh, whereas Mira is the admirable workhorse of just churning through content like no tomorrow, I am very much a person who unfortunately has a lot of, like, I have long periods of I don't want to touch anything, and then I have periods of I am going to just knock out as much as I can. And uh, I know that probably that uh, has created some stress for not only me but for some of the team members in the past um and i don't mean to air that out on here i'm just saying that that's that's sort of how i work and unfortunately uh you know there there were times where i'm just like i can't i can't do this right now or like i am not in the headspace and getting through that uh is like the way i got through that was mostly it's mostly time but also mostly just having like really supportive friends not not like the team is amazing. I love the team. Um, they're very supportive. But I also have some other friends outside of them that are just really, really supportive. And I, I'm very lucky to have them. They they, they helped keep me through it. Uh, Katie does not give himself enough credit because uh, the, the, the only reason I can work horse like I do is because I'm lucky enough, uh, thanks to my patrons and thanks to this job and to everybody who supported me, that I can do this job full time. So like, that's why I can just sit down for 12 hours and bang out a CG and like 
one to, to three days is because this is my full-time job, whereas KD has been doing this for way longer than I've been doing it while also having to juggle, like, a, a, a day job. So uh, KD is definitely... If anybody's the workhorse here, I would definitely see it, say it's it's KD. I'm just... I, I just have fucking privilege. <laughs> I, I'm just lucky enough to be able to, to fucking sit down at my desk and draw boobies and get paid for it. So, uh... Boobie is good. Going way, way back, you were talking about how uh, the the flight CG was your favorite because he was the first and, like, you know, when you said you wanted to do ahead of time. And I think maybe another reason is that that was before I felt more confident in, like, reining you back on the bus size of characters... That has definitely become part of the process is uh, is you drawing it and me saying, okay, let me t- double check the character model for this. Okay, we might need to rein that back a little bit. It was definitely... Uh, Zoe is our federal movie inspector and uh, she, 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 keep, she keeps me honest. Uh, make sure that I don't make the boobies too big. Uh, although I did, I did slip some past her. There's at least one CG where a character has uh, is a little more well endowed than they should be. But uh, yeah, we're gonna go back and and redo um, that this month. So don't you worry. Oh no! But um, as for burnout, uh, on top of the other thing about it being, you know, this is my day job, and if I don't do my job, I don't get to eat. Um, the other thing was, I just, I fucking love this game. I love this game so much, and I'm so excited to be a part of it, and I'm a show-off, so I, I have continuously been trying to uh, show off for uh, the rest of the team with uh, the, the work that I've done, so that kind of helps, you know, motivate me to keep working, was I really want to sneak in little Easter eggs and make them happy and make them you know, in, in you know, enjoy this thing we're creating together, and yeah, that's right. Um, Sylvia and Portia one... shopping in the background <laughs> is my desktop background now. I did not ask for this, but I have it now. I woke up in the middle of the night, and and my uh my my wonderful boyfriend Transformister, who I love very much, was patient enough with me. I I went vertical. I sat up, and I was like, "Babe, I need to write something down." And he's like, "Got it." And he grabbed my phone, and I wrote down that uh, Portia and Sylvia appear in the background of the CG that I was going to work on that week. And then I went back to bed. Incredible. <laughs> um, one of the other things that was sort of a challenge. Uh, in terms of art was that uh, uh, and this this was this was sort of like something that also happened uh, it, to coincide along with my professional work as well was learning to uh, let others do the work uh, or like l- release relinquishing control over the work I guess um, I was very adamant at first like no I can do all this stuff I can you know, it'll take some time, but I can eventually get it done. But it was really just sort of relieving to realize, like, okay, if we bring some other people on, like, we can, like, UBF, uh, who I, I feel like we, we should really uh, talk about uh, her a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, we bring her on to draw all the sex stuff because I've, I've never drawn a sex scene. Um, and that was very intimidating, That the idea of having to do that. And then, you know, we'll bring Mira on to do all these CGs that I had no time for and even helped me to uh sketch up some of these uh these npc sprites that uh i was just sometimes i would just be really stuck on 
uh, like, you know, what, what pose can I use that I haven't used, you know, 500 times already for this character that just doesn't make them look like, you know, funnily enough, that makes them look very unique and not like a regular person, you know. I can't believe this game how... has 24 distinct NPCs. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Um, I was curious as well then to ask, um, you know, obviously the transformational aspect plays a large part in the art shown. So what was the process behind deciding which elements of the TF to highlight for each character? Uh, that came a lot back to the writing. Uh, like, like I said, I, I really, I, I would replay that section of the game every time I start a new CG, which by the way, was one of my favorite parts because I fucking love this game. And, um... You know, uh, the the writing work that uh, Zoe and Gunzel and KD did for different parts really kind of cut my work out for me. But also, like Zoe said, sometimes I would add little extra stuff because I was just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if if this and uh, kind of accidentally made more work for them? Um, so uh, cut, interrupt me if, if any of this is wrong, Zoe, but uh, I don't think you've ever worked on a furry tf uh before this nope this was my first uh, time making any sort of furry content whatsoever so uh first of all she was absolutely knocking it out of the park uh right out of the gate but there were also some things where it's like okay well uh for uh i think the sylvia tf was one where it's like the initial stake tf we sort of had a lot of back and forth about like what do we want how do we want the, the transformation to sound like to the to the viewer as they're reading it uh and i sort of said like okay well the idea of uh like not so much having like a a fusing of like human uh like floppy human skin and then having it grow scales like that that may, that may be not be the most like in my opinion that's maybe not the most uh attractive thing so like having the idea of like yes her legs are fusing together but also she's growing the scales along with it uh, to help uh, sort of have that sort of feel to it. Yeah, I, I think the first version I wrote is like it kind of became a, a, a tail before she got the scales and Katie just, uh, in, probably in a voice me, was like, just told me like, no, nobody wants to like imagine like little floppy cone-like toes flapping around until before they're a snake. I'm like, oh, okay, good point. I will switch the order of those. Yep. Um, there was also the... Uh, I'm sure that you're aware of the wonderful term of tail explosion. Uh, but that was one of the other things that we, we made sure that we could uh, add as much as we could. I, um, I appreciate the shit out of that. Thank you very much for including that. <laughs> um, it, the, the actual, uh, the actual cut in of Margaret having her tail pop out of her pants in the, in the Felicia path uh, was actually one of the very first, like, I think when we started planning out on Trello, like halfway through the project, that was like one of the very first things we outlined as something to add to the game. But yet it was one of the last things that we added in one of the recent updates. Like two months oh, ago was, or something. Yeah. And it, it was so cathartic to finally see it uh, in the game, in the story. And I'm sure a lot of our, our, our readers appreciated it as well. That's amazing. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, you can, like, vaguely see her tail, like, in the bottom left corner of the screen if you hide the text box. That is surely enough for us. It's like, yeah, no, I gotta draw it. Gotta draw more art. I mean, the, the, uh, 
the experience of becoming, you know, a furry character and growing out of your 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 clothes is sort of like the the alleg- allegory metaphor metaphor of you know shedding your humanity as a part of that but also like there's the sexual aspect of it too where it's like gee a a, a, a tail like straining against a up 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 waistline and then exploding out sure does like have a lot of sexual uh you know equivalencies to it that people are probably gonna really like so we got to make sure to add that yeah, boy, it sure would be a shame if we had someone have all kinds of outfits get ruined by their body getting larger in some areas in a future game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking of sex appeal with tail explosions, um, you know, one of the things I will say is that uh, one thing that I really liked in terms of how they fit together was the styles between the sprites and the more detailed sex scene backgrounds. Like they're clearly very distinct from one another, but they fit together nicely. So I was curious as to how you navigated that process of having those very distinct styles and meshing them with one another. So uh, our, our artist that works on a lot of the intimate scenes, or I would say most of the intimate scenes, if not all, uh, is UBF. Uh, we've been referring to her as UBF, but her name, her full name is Ultra Bondage Fairy. Uh, so you might guess where the Julie Root kink came from. Yes. <laughs> um, we, uh, we sort of wanted to get someone who could also have sort of a cartoony style, but also uh, like she was, she was very much like, I will adapt uh, to, to sort of like highlight the same features that you highlight in your art um so like the the way that uh like margaret's hair and uh, i guess like a lot of it is like okay like the way that the hair is drawn the way that like uh sylvia's like snake tail pattern works and uh maintaining silhouettes and stuff yeah yeah uh just making sure that all like the consistency across the character design was there was a huge part of it um and uh, I mean, UBF does just does super excellent work, and uh, it was a real joy working with her to uh, do that. Unfortunately, she's 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 uh, she's not one to talk. Uh, unfortunately, so she can't be here. Yeah, no, that's and fair. she's in Australia, so time and zone. she's in Australia. There's that. Yeah, the time zones but, are a bit of a challenge, so that's fair. <laughs> but but we very much appreciate her, and uh, and mm-hmm. like her style is very much a compliment to the game. Mm. And it, it is very distinct from uh, Katie's uh, and Mira's style, um, but I think the the intimate scenes in the game are kind of like so kind of self-contained uh, that it kind of makes sense for them to kind of like slip into a different sort of artistic register or kind of uh, tone to them. So, you know, like since those scenes are so set apart and even like, you know, something that you can be warned about ahead of time or skip if you need to since they're so kind of self-contained it it didn't feel like too much of a uh, uh a jarring change in style for them to slip into that kind of more painterly softer uh look that yeah. ubf uses they're the rpg mm. battles of mice tea there you go where it's now a completely now there's 3d models and people are walking oh. around and that's that's exactly <laughs> where like the consistency of the design part comes in of just like making sure that you know, we, we can all render these characters in different styles, but make sure that the details are, are all there. Margaret has her glasses. Mm. That is some, I, I don't know why, but we always forget that. Like, mm. we draw, and then two months later, we're like, oh, wait, we forgot to put whiskers on here. Boink. 
and just stick it on. Yeah. Several Trello cards with a checklist of uh, eight different CGs where you need to add whiskers Beautiful. to them. Beautiful. <laughs> so then I will have to ask the question, what was your favorite part of the visual novel to illustrate? Uh, you go first, Mira. I definitely, uh, I, I stand by saying the flying scene. Just And, and Katie did a lot of the heavy lifting mm-hmm. for that one to begin with. Uh, so I, I feel like I can't take a lot of credit for that one because uh, there was a, at the time that I played the game, there was a sketch. There was a, uh, a, a, a. It was one of the sketches that was in the early access version that basically showed me right. what I needed to do, and then my insatiable to desire to show off took over, and I just kind of wanted to capture that thrill and exhilaration of, uh, of you know, flying. You know, because I feel like a lot of stories that explore flying don't give it the proper respect that it deserves like the euphoria of being up in the clouds but mice tea does so i wanted to capture that visually and i also want to thank you for asking that question because before we went on i went through all of the cgs i made for this game and it was a really nice nostalgic walk down i know it's only been a year but still it was a nice walk down memory lane and seeing all of these moments and i wanted to say a cop out and, and say like all of them but it's honest to god true i fucking loved every single scrap that i worked on on this and there's so many things that i could just gush about getting to draw and being lucky enough to draw but the first one's definitely gonna be a special part of my heart is that flight if i could talk a little bit about like you showing off i think maybe the kind of most uh prevalent example of that is there's a, a gender transformation in the game and we do it kind of like panel style right so like we focus on this feature and it changes and we focus on this feature and it changes it's not like the kind of like you know you know person on a white background standing up and you know going from stage to stage so we did this panel system and we thought, okay like you know they'll change here a little bit and then like we'll move on to the next feature the next feature and we kept that framing but all the frames change as it goes along so like you know there's the hair growth you know, panel there. And then that is also reflected on the earlier panel. And that just keeps going throughout the whole, through the whole sequence. So like, instead of like, you know, only illustrating each change in that specific panel, they are then like retroactively attributed to the previous panels. It's, it's crazy. So uh, first of all, Mira, you, you, you flatter me that I, I very much did like the sketch that I gave you for the flying scene. And I'm glad you turned it into what it did. Because it was it was it was a very much an upgrade, uh, or like it was very much it was very much what I had imagined it to be, uh, and more. Um, so my favorite one of my favorite things to do for this game, uh, I, I alluded to it before, but if I would pick like the the one like sexy thing, I guess it would be uh, the TF that uh, occurs between I think it's on day five of Julie's route um and uh spoiler warning they turn into cows and uh that yes milk and lactation is one of my fetishes uh breast expansion uh i think cows are really cute uh and uh i i really like that's one of the one of the very few scenes that i had like almost complete control over uh where how it like how the uh and again like uh that was another thing where like I'm going back and forth with Zoe about like, you know, what, what sort of 
uh, points to hit and uh, how the transformation would work. And I really enjoyed working on that whole sequence. I, I finished, I completely finished that one up recently along with Mira who shaded it. Um, and it was really fulfilling to see that come into the game. And well, to see that like absolutely finished in the game. And there were some extra parts that I added in uh, as well, because like Mira, there are some times where I'm like, okay, I need to add this as well. Uh, most of the time that occurs in like, oh, adding a little extra expression or something in the sprites or an extra little detail. But uh, sometimes uh, it occurred in the CGs as well. Um, the one like non-horny thing, I guess, that I really love to illustrate was, uh, again, spoilers. Uh, the, the final scene with uh, Margaret and Gavin in their route. Uh, just the two different versions of that, the wedding scene. Um, I really enjoyed drawing like two characters that are just in love with each other. And how like really how absolutely cute it is when she's tiny and Julie is holding her up and like crying in the in the second panel where she's kissing Gavin on the beak. It's just ugh. And then the I music is like a melding of like both character themes along with like wedding music. And it just like brings it, it to another level. Oh yeah, we've got this whole yeah. we've got this whole podcast without mentioning Will, Will Bowerman, who is our composer, who maybe knocked it out of the park everybody keeps mentioning that like that is like when everybody does a positive review of the game their last sentence is always like oh and the music is fantastic um a guy i met on the somethingawful.com game forums when i was doing a game jam in like 2015 2014 and he's like if anybody uh, makes a game and their music was bad, I'm going to be mad at you because you didn't DM me and ask me for music. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And then <laughs> he just made music for games that I worked on for like for game jams for like four or five years. And I'm like, hey, I'm making a porn game. You want to make music for it? He's like, yeah, sure. OK. And then just did the whole soundtrack. And it it was awesome. Shout out to the Oh My God Julie song. It sounds like it's out of like a Persona game and I love that and it was just 11 it's out so of 10. Good. I loved it. Sorry. I, I just, I, I <laughs> that's the, I, that's also my favorite song in the whole game. So I'm right there with yes. you. <laughs> a woman of taste. I appreciate that. <laughs> the, uh, the sort of vibes that we gave him uh, to reference is sort of like what we want was like lo-fi uh persona-esque like jazz with a bossa nova flavor for margaret of course yes mm-hmm. and uh he the funniest part is that he's actually never played persona oh my god not persona <laughs> 5 so uh the idea that like and then I, and i had never played persona 5 until like uh maybe like six months ago and even i was like humming the julie song in my head and thinking like oh yeah this is just persona 5 music and then i realized like no that's a mu- that's a piece of music for the game that i helped make holy shit yeah oh that's incredible i had no idea that he hadn't played those games i find myself humming the main theme uh margaret's theme i forget the exact name for it i'm so sorry will but uh Mar- margaret's theme theme for a mousy girl brewing tea yeah, theme for a mousy girl. yeah that uh theme for a mousy girl i i find myself humming that to myself while i'm brewing tea in the morning and i i just god will did such a good fucking job yeah 
My review of the soundtrack is sometimes I don't mute the game while uh, developing the game, and I have worked on this game for hundreds of uh, hundreds yeah. of hours. Also, he's a true member of the development team because all of the song titles are horrendous puns. They're great. Yeah. Oh, I love them. They're great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that was all of the questions that I had, and we have covered... I think pretty much everything, which is fantastic. And I really appreciate uh, the time that y'all have shared with me. Um, I don't know if you had any questions for me before we close out. <laughs> mm, gosh, I don't know. I I do feel very excited that like the, uh, the groundwork was laid for that, uh, that uh, parrot pun that got picked up before yeah. the TF even started. So I, I'm, I'm glad that the research worked in that case. Hearing that the references landed with a as a well, with a Brazilian a person of Brazilian heritage is yeah, they nice. do yeah no they really did and I I was really we thrilled. got your favorite song yes <laughs> but what was your favorite TF oh what was my favorite TF yeah um if I had to pick one oh it's hard okay. right <laughs> I am going yeah it's hard it's hard um <laughs> now I you're mean, on the hot seat. Yeah, now I'm on the hot seat. Okay, if I had to pick a favorite TF that was like a, like a major part of the story, um, I would probably go with Julie's. If I had to just pick like a favorite TF just out of like personal preference, I really loved Tharkis's TF, um, and I will leave that up for people because that one that one was very good. Um, I really enjoyed that one. I loved drawing Tharkis's sprite. It's so like. Tharkis is already so goddamn cute. Yes. But I really enjoyed just like turning it up to a lot. We have we also have just like so many little like meme expressions that uh, we put on our face at the end that uh unfortunately never made it into the game but uh it some of it uh uh like she's she's very sassy and very yeah, fun. It's great. I, I I would have to say that was that was one of my personal favorites. Um so <laughs> Oh, I also forgot if you said you had a favorite joke that appeared in the game. Oh, uh, I mean, honestly, it was probably the drunk one. The like, you drunk idiot. Like, what are you doing? Like, with the tea bags. That was probably my favorite. It's like weirdly meta, but also like how one might berate oneself while drunk. Yeah, I think. Oh, it very like much landed. Brief, yeah, a brief yeah. moment of lucidity. <laughs> For that scene, I always made sure that like Margaret was always actually speaking out loud. We never use her like think. Uh, you know, dialogue type in that scene. No, she is literally just talking to herself that whole time out loud. What would you say your favorite route was? An even harder question, probably. Like, just on the whole. Okay. I, actually, I will say my favorite route was the Sylvia route. Um, nice. I just... Uh, and it was funny because that was my first route, too. Um, so maybe... I don't know if that was, like, part of it, but that one was definitely my favorite route. Um Sylvia ending up as a therapist was like 11 out of 10. I was very, very happy with that ending. So, um, I wanted to sort of piggyback off of that. Uh, what was your first impression of Sylvia? <laughs> oh, I was like, not a fan. I was like, oh, who is this? What is this? And I, and then in the back of my mind, I was also like, damn, this bass line in the song, I love it. But also, I was like, oh, I don't like her, blah, blah. And then, well, uh, did a 180 by the end of it so <laughs> so that is that is a big meme in our community is like uh 
Sylvia like starts out as like, oh, who's this bitch? Fuck her. Yeah. Uh, what a what a terrible person. And then by the end, you're like, Sylvia is a precious angel that I want to hug yes. and hold and never let anything bad ever happen to her. I want to protect Absolutely. her. I want to tell all my friends about her. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. I just, oh, yeah. But yeah, like initially I was like, I love this theme of hers, but also, uh, so. <laughs> also in the connection to Sylvia, uh, very loosely, this tenuous connection. What was your favorite outfit in the game? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, I'm just, I'm indulging myself. Yeah, no, no, I absolutely. Draw them all. No, no, you did have to draw them all. Um, okay. I had the privilege of drawing them all. Yes. <laughs> And I had the privilege of looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to say that the dress that Sylvia wears during the Julie route was probably my favorite, but specifically because you also had to draw it ripped. <laughs> and that made me laugh. <laughs> so That's a good choice. Yeah. Very good, very, very good. Another specific interest that made it into the game. That dress was ripped because it was we needed it to be it's ripped. All I support that. this. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for spending all this time with me. I really appreciate it. And if folks are looking for you online, where can they find you? And of course, where can they find the game? Well, you can find uh, us at cinnamonswitch.com. That has links to all the kind of relevant uh, places you can find us. It has uh, our Itch.io page where you can buy the game. It has our Steam page where you can wishlist the game. Uh, also, our Twitter and uh, Discord. Uh, on Twitter, we're SinSwitch, C-I-N, Switch, as in Cinnamon Switch. Um, there's also a big, giant gallery of fan art uh, that's on there for you to peruse through. A lot of spoilers, but so is this podcast, so you're prepared for them. Uh and uh yeah we it's for sale right now on itch.io uh for twenty dollars uh we also still have our patreon if you feel like just throwing us extra money but right now we're just kind of focusing on the actual release of the game um yeah. and any stickers if oh you yeah give us ten dollars mm. a month you want little chibis of the of the characters you you can get on our patreon and, and get those in the mail um and yeah like the patreon will be supporting our next project that we've alluded to a couple times but otherwise, yeah, search for Mice T, and we had good enough SEO to appear at the top of the list when you search for that. Amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, everyone, and thank you so much to all of our listeners who are listening through this episode. I hope you had as much fun listening to it as I did recording it with our Cinnamon Switch crew. Um, looking forward to... Uh, playing it over again honestly uh because i probably will play the game over again um and um yeah i hope that everyone who's listening uh has a great week keeps an open mind and stays tfe and we will see you all back here again next week but until then bye for now 